Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman. I'm Mike Riley, your host, and this podcast is not only about you finding your finish line at a race or an event, but in life. And that is something we have to do every day. I'll talk with successful people who have gone through all kinds of hurdles to get where they are today. And hopefully their inspiring stories can help you in your struggle with sports and with life. My guest today did have quite a large struggle. His name is Ben O'Donnell. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you today? Great. We're talking to Ben from New Brunswick, Canada, uh, the Atlantic time zone. It's not exactly a lot, a lot when we talk about the Atlantic time zone, you know. <laughs> yep. Not usually. So your story is, is still an incredible one, and it always will be. You know, you overcame all odds, but most of the odds were not in your control. And I want you to go through that in March of 2020 when you came home from that, that business trip. And I just want to add a caveat to that. I came home from a business trip in March of 2020 from Ironman New Zealand. I went to the Auckland Airport, went to the Los Angeles Airport, came home to San Diego. And I really related with, you know, I, I, this could have happened to me or anybody else at that time traveling. But in March of 2020, you came home and you weren't feeling that well. And your wife, Deanna, took you into the uh, hospital just to kind of get checked. Why don't you take us from there? Because you didn't get to see your wife or your daughter for quite some time after that. That's true. Yes. Yeah, so she took me into the hospital on the morning of March 9th. She dropped me off at the walk into the ER. And that was the last time I saw her face to face for 28 days. Um, I wasn't feeling well. So we thought I was just going to go in, get some fluids um, just cause I wasn't able to eat much in the last previous two, three, four days. So I get some fluids, they'd send me home and I'd, I just recover there. Um, less than 24 hours later, I was intubated and on life support instead. I was able to give my wife an, I love you sign across the glass from my isolation room before they took me upstairs. And that was the only time I was able to see her after she dropped me off in the car. And the, as you said, the odds and things not being in my favor, it's, it started that next morning at 6 a.m. They called my wife to say, can we put him on a ventilator? Three hours later, they called her again and said, he's not going to make it on a ventilator. We have to put him on something called ECMO or extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. Just going on it is a 50% mortality rate because it's such a difficult procedure to put someone on it. So you have a 50% or no percent. And she had to make that call within 24 hours of me being dropped off at the hospital. Um, and from there, I lost consciousness for the next week. It was an incredible time for my wife and the decision-making and what she was going through with a three-year-old daughter in the room with her. And I was just laying in bed, um, trying to recover, trying to stay alive. And I stayed on life support for 10 days, intubated for another four or five days after that. And 28 days later, I was finally able to walk out of the hospital with a walker and an oxygen machine. And Ben, the amazing part of all this is, one, 
you're an Ironman athlete. You're in shape. You obviously take care of yourself. And this happens. Then the other part of the story is the hospital, because you were in Minnesota in the hospital, correct? That's correct. I was living in Minnesota at the time. Minnesota at the time. And you're in the hospital and everybody working around there, doctors and nurses, this was all new to them. So it was almost like you were this trial and error patient that they were trying things, not trying things. And that had to be, for Deanna, had to be so scary because there was no one set diagnosis that anybody gave you guys, was there? No, there was not. I mean, I will say that we relied heavily on our scientific background. My wife is a PhD chemist. I have my training and it's like, you have to experiment. And I'm, as you said, I was training for another Ironman. I'd already finished one. I was healthy in shape. So they felt like if they could try as many things on me as they could and I could get through it, they could learn enough for other people. And so I was happy to be the guinea pig, at least to help other people to figure out what could be done. At, from that standpoint. And one nice thing is that they used my blood and all the antibodies in my blood to develop the antibody test at the University of Minnesota to detect if people had COVID. They used my blood samples from such so early on to do that. And, and then what I read was was doctors and, and caregivers from all over the country were calling the hospital like, what are you doing with this guy? What's going on? How's he reacting to it? Because cases started coming in all over the country. So you were a, you were a guinea pig of sorts, but in such a good way. Absolutely. And I was happy to be that. I mean, with all things considered, I was happy to be able to help other people through that. And um, even the physical therapy, like they're using me, they had me up and standing while I was still on life support. They started the physical therapy while I was still in a somewhat of a coma to keep moving my body and to get me up and standing. And how can we treat patients while they're still dealing with all of this? And it was, I was privileged to be in such a great hospital to get that treatment. And then to be able to help others was just a, like icing on top to help them survive their treatments as well. Before I went into the hospital, they had determined that ECMO was likely not going to be a good way to treat COVID patients, that it would not help them. And the doctors deciding to put me on, and then I was the first, because I was the first person put on ECMO to come off alive with, with COVID. And in the, in the United States, in the country? In North America, yes. In North America. Yep. Oh, and gosh. globally, I was one of the first 30 that were put on ECMO. And so it was decided that it wasn't, likely wouldn't work. And within two months of me getting out of the hospital, the total number of COVID patients being put on ECMO went from 70 to well over 700 in the next and that, that was just, that's what we were reading in the papers. That's what it was on the news, Ben, was people were being put on the machines and not coming off them. Yeah. That was it. It was almost like, well, they're on the machine and the family knew well, we're not going to see them anymore. It was a very difficult time, and I can't imagine what was going through my wife's mind at the time. Uh, I mean, me Deanna, she like she put on her. I put. I, I say she put on her scientist hat because it was like, yeah. give me the data, give me the numbers. I will make a decision based on that, and then I will deal with the emotions after we have the conversation. And she'd call my sister and call my mom and have those conversations then. But she was able to make that split. But I have no idea how she was able to make it through those first. 10 days and then the rest of my 18 days that I spent in the hospital. 
And in, I think we should let our listeners know this whole time of the what total of twenty six days in the hospital. You you weren't exactly aware of things. You were you were having hallucinations. You thought the nurse was your wife. So it's not like you were aware every second, every hour of the day what the heck was going on. Yeah, the first seven days I was hallucinating pretty pretty terribly. I was in a very bad place mentally, and then at, it was St. Patrick's Day, March seventeenth. I woke up. And from then on, I remember. So the, the luck of the Irish with the O'Donnell name, oh. they will remember things from that day forward. But the first seven days, I, I was completely hallucinating. My mental state was terrible. I thought that I was being human trafficked. It was like I was having nightmares, like living nightmares for the full seven days. Well, and I think well, I still had it better than she did because she knew exactly what was happening. Well, the the from from one Irishman to the other, the luck of St. Patrick's. Thank goodness for that. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. Okay, you were going to do Iron Man Arizona. That's the one you had on the schedule, wasn't it? That for, is. Uh, uh, November of 2020, correct? Yep. So that went away, but you still, after you got out of the hospital, it was a long process, but you had in your mind that you wanted to do another Ironman, correct? You figured that was going to be what was going to bring you back? Yeah. I mean, I think it was back in April, my conversation with you, I, I, I had my conversation with you and we were sitting there talking like, are you going to come back? And it didn't cross my mind until even just you had mentioned, it. I'm like, maybe that's what it has to be is to put that goal out there to have it every day. And then you happened to send me a book that said, see you in Arizona, which just kind of sealed the deal that I've got to get to Arizona now. Um, but having that conversation of maybe that is possible. Maybe that is what I need to work towards and what I should be working towards because it's about getting better every day. How can I get better for tomorrow? How can I make sure that I'm there? And with that goal, it, Basically, with Ironman as the goal, you don't stop. You just you have to keep getting better because Ironman is you never you can never stop training for Ironman and say, yep, I'm good enough to go. Yeah. It's you're always sitting there at the starting line with butterflies going, is today the day I'm going to make it through with no problems or did I train well enough? You can never get I, I've never been at any race start line going, you know what? I think I trained everything perfectly. Today's going to be absolutely phenomenal because I'm done training. There's always that thing to push you forward. And I think Ironman gave me that opportunity and that goal to make sure that I kept moving forward. And I, I believe you uh, love living by the mantra, don't stop, don't quit, keep moving forward. As a matter of fact, when you were on camera before the Ironman you did do this year at Ironman Tulsa, that's exactly what you said, wasn't it? That's exactly. That was my mantra. I had my nurses print it out and put it on the wall in my ICU room. So that way I could have that every day. It was the Iron Man symbol and that mantra were just right next to pictures of my family around the room. I'll bet you you inspired so many people in that hospital and and without even obviously it's not your way of wanting to go inspire people but you probably inspired a lot of people in that hospital Ben good for you with that let's talk a little bit about Tulsa uh, going into the race and preparing obviously you had time there wasn't in Arizona in 2020 you got to go until uh, May or June when were we were in Tulsa June and uh, you, you got to go and, and do that. Do you think you were totally physically prepared for that race? 
I think that with everything that had happened, I moved to a new country. I think I was as physically prepared as I could be. I was more prepared for Tulsa than I was for Ironman Wisconsin in 2017. I will say that. That's good. Um, I was That's good. prepping for Arizona, then I was going to go to Texas, and then that was canceled about six weeks prior, and then Tulsa. And when I showed up the morning of, the, the my biggest question coming into the week was swimming, because I've been in a normal cl- northern climate, and with the COVID regulations in Canada here, pools weren't open. So I had only done dry land training for the swim up until I got to Tulsa four days before the race. Oh, wow. My yeah, first that time would, in be the water. Some, would be some trepidation with that. I'm glad you got out of the water, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> with my best swim time. I beat my Wisconsin swim time by three minutes. So I was happy. See, see, training is overrated, huh? I mean, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, I didn't do the dry land at least, you know, swimming bands are a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were for you. So what got you, what got you hooked into triathlon? Why, why is triathlon a part of your life, Ben? You're a, what, a a high school, college fullback. You were a football player. Mm -hmm. How triathlon entered your life? So after college and graduate school, I had surgery on my left knee on both soldier shoulders through football and baseball injuries. And I went the corporate route and I, my body was just not happy with it. I was gaining weight. I wasn't working out as much. And in 2015, um, my cousin who I had been training with, who I just grew up with, we finally were in the same city together again, back in the Minneapolis area. And he was training for Ironman Wisconsin in 2015. And I'm just like, I want a way to hang out more. And he said, I'm training all the time. So I said, fine, I'll start training for triathlon. And I did my first sprint that summer. I was, I was overweight. I was probably closer to 300 pounds than to 250 pounds. And I decided that was what I was going to do is I was just going to get back into it and use triathlon as a way to do that. Um, and in 2015, he ran his race in Madison and I volunteered and was handing out bikes through the T1 and just loved every second of it. And I knew that from that moment on, I had to get to Ironman. I had to be able to get to that race and and to do that. So the next summer, it was more sprint triathlons in 2016. I did a half Ironman um, at the end of the year and signed up for Wisconsin in 2017. But it all started with a way to connect with the community. And that community was my triathlon training partners, my cousin, um, Jason, and having all of that and getting back to health and having a community. And that's the one thing that I have found with Ironman and with Ironman Foundation is really a community that is supporting each other and keeping each other positive and moving forward. Yeah, let's talk about the Ironman Foundation bit of it too, because uh, obviously you talked earlier in the podcast about wanting to be able to help people because obviously your story uh, was an inspiration not only for every you know people that were sick but for the doctors and nurses so why'd you jump into the Ironman Foundation and tell us about the money you're raising uh, on behalf um so I looked up Ironman Foundation and I was going to I was signed up to race for Ironman Foundation Ironman Arizona before I got sick and just for what they gave back to the communities where they did the races after I was sick I saw the new initiative of Iron Aid and how they were helping all of these nonprofits that were affected by COVID, helping women's shelters and Meals on Wheels and just helping all of the people that didn't have the privilege that I had when I was in the hospital. I had the top top care nurses and doctors. I didn't lose any income because I had a job with um, 
disability insurance. I had insurance to pay my medical bills. I had everything taken care of. And that privilege, I wanted to see what I could do to help those that didn't have that. And using Iron Aid to raise that money and to raise money to help those that were affected by this disease just felt like the right thing to do for me. It was the right thing to make sure that people didn't have to be affected any more than they had to be throughout this process. And what I could do for that is I can raise some money. I can keep going with my story and tell my story as much as possible to help as many people as possible. And if I can raise extra money to help more people, let's, let's do that along the way as well. Good for you. Very admirable. And, and I'm so happy you're doing that. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. As an endurance athlete, you're constantly pushing your body to new limits, searching for your personal best for the next finish line. If you're training for an endurance event, whether short distance or long distance, proper recovery is the key to you unlocking your potential. As the official topical pain relief partner for the Ironman US series, Activice's lineup of topical cooling gel roll-on and spray features 8% menthol and eucalyptus oil to provide the instant icy relief you need to recover smarter and faster. The water-based non-sticky formula withstands sweat to keep up with the demands and exertion of race day. Don't let muscle pain or sprains hold you back from reaching your potential, from reaching your personal best. Shop the Activices lineup on Amazon today for the support you need to find your finish line. Yeah, you know, you mentioned earlier about uh, playing football in college and, and getting out of college and going into the corporate world. I, ben, I can't tell you how many times, and I want to say to everybody out there, how many times I've heard athletes uh, in whatever sport come out of college and then, oh, they want to go produce income and make money, which everybody does, but they kind of forget about themselves internally they forget about their physical being and because you can't can't go out every day and play football in the corporate world it just doesn't happen so when you found that triathlon it it was like a new lease on life wasn't it absolutely um physically mentally i mean my mental health improved just as much as my physical health having that mental like like release every day with the, the runs the bikes the swims just being able to do that, I found that my mental health improved and my work improved just by like, having the whole package of the physical and the work and the family balance. It is a balance for sure. Um, and I found that each you had to have all three pillars. You couldn't just say, okay, I'm just going to do work and family because then I lost the physical and then the mental health went down. And just finding that opportunity to, I just had to relearn that that's what I needed. I think that was the big thing because in college you have all the intellectual, all that, you have all the sports that you're dealing with. And when you leave all of that, it's like all of the structure is gone. You have to build it yourself. And if you hadn't had to build it because you were part of sports teams, it can be difficult. True. Mm, so. so you've got a uh, beautiful five year. She's five now, right? Your daughter? Yes, she is. Five years old. And uh, daddy, uh, Ben is here to guide her on her way as you, as is your wife Diana. But what 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 lesson later in life if you ever sat down with her and because you know 3 to 5 years old she knows maybe daddy was sick but not really what he went through. 
What lesson do you think you'd like to talk to her about to teach her to help her move on in life from what you learned? For me, I think the biggest thing, and it's like, it's the Iron Man motto. It's anything is possible. Like until there's, there's no absolute like end there's, there's death, but until you get to that point and I was as close as you could get without crossing that barrier with COVID, there is a way back and there is a way forward that there is no, like anything is possible. If you can put your mind to it, it might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen in 20 years, but you can always make that forward progress. And what can you do to make that forward progress in whatever you're trying to do? That's the lesson that I'm trying to impart that it's all about being better tomorrow than I am today. And what are you doing today to be better tomorrow? And that's, that's really the messaging that I would put forward for her. And just that, that don't quit. Anything's possible. Be better tomorrow than you are today. Ben, do you think if this hadn't happened to you, you came home from that business trip, you went quarantined like all of us and, you know, you worked through it and there was no events, but do you think Ben Aldano would be a different person, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but a different person, maybe be not as strong as you are today. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I've had this thought quite a bit. Where would my life be if I wouldn't have been on that business trip, wouldn't have spent that time in the hospital? I will say that the decisions that I made laying in that bed and thought about where I wanted my life to be, where I wanted to go, I wouldn't have had a time to stop and think about that. Think about where is my career taking me? Where is this taking me for my family? What are the critical, important things in my life, which is physical health, mental health, happy, happy family, happy life, not about monetary things. And from that standpoint, I think that I would still be living the quote unquote rat race life and fitting in Iron Man rather than truly using it to almost be the center of what is the health and well-being of my family. Um, since this, I, my wife has gotten into running and we're working on running a marathon together f through a virtual series by the end of the year. My daughter, who was four at the time, after she was running, ran a 5K with us, a virtual 5K. It was an Elmo race, I think. It's little things like that that with this, it's changed the focus of our family on physical and mental health. And if this wouldn't have happened, I think we still would be back in the quote unquote chasing the Joneses or moving the corporate ladder and Iron Man would be part of my life, but it wouldn't have made the impact. I don't think I would have been able to make the impact I have if it wouldn't have happened. So I don't know if I want to say thanks, COVID. I yeah. am very happy with where, I've, where I'm at today because of what happened to me last May or March. Yeah. I, I guess sometimes we just have to be, you know, lack of better words, hit upside of the head. So we realize how lucky and, and uh, fortunate we are. Let's talk about Ironman Tulsa. You, you got to that finish line. You had a PR over your Ironman previously, mm -hmm. but you had some, you said had some hurdles during the day, but these hurdles, when I was reading about it, I'm thinking, what the heck? What this guy just went through? So his, your bike battle uh, cage snapped off your, uh, hitting a bump snapped off your bike. You lost nutrition, special needs. You had to have the race nutrition. Da da, you know, went on and on. But those things are probably 
Were they just small, small little bumps in the road for you after what you went through? I saw them all as minor. The only thing that I thought that, am I going to be able to get through this, was the flat tire I had at mile 30. I had a, a flat rear tire, and for whatever reason, I hadn't practiced changing a flat before this race. And so it took me way longer than I expected it to. It took me about 25 minutes to get that flat tire changed. After that, I'm like, well, it can't get any worse. Let's just go and keep going. Um, and everything was just a roll with the punches type of day. It's like just being there, I didn't feel any negativity. Like with, with Madison, there were times during the race, I'm like, can I even do this? That never came into my mind once during the Tulsa race. I was going and it's like, okay, I haven't had this type of gel before, but my nutrition is gone. I'll try it. I haven't had this before, but you know what? I've got to have something. Let's try it. And I was fortunate that it worked. But for me, it was the day felt like a celebration of being able to move my body and be there rather than a day of can I make it through this and slog through this? And I felt my, my mental state really drove to that throughout the entire day. That's that's where my mental state was, was I'm just happy to be on my bike finishing 112 miles versus still in a walker, still using oxygen, things along those lines. Well, we were all waiting for you, Dave Downey and the crew from BCC, and I was waiting for you at the finish line. And we've all had the opportunity to see so many expressions and so many uh, faces when people come through uh, and, and what those faces are portraying. And yours, to me, was one of like pure joy, almost an amazement joy. Like I knew I was going to do it, well, but and I did it. It, it, it. So tell us, walk us through. You came across that finish line, and what uh, what was permeating through that body of yours? I, it was it was just sheer joy of getting to it. Like almost as you said, like there's almost this little disbelief. I knew at a certain point in the marathon that I could walk and be fine and make it to the finish line because it was all about finishing under the 17 hour point. But that 40 minute PR was just a bonus on top of all of it. But getting to that finish line and seeing my sister and nephew were there to put the medal on me and knowing that my wife was on FaceTime and it was two in the morning there and having, I, for me it was disbelief that I was there, but just sheer joy that I was there compared to where I was 15 months prior to the race. I mean, the race was to the day 14 months of coming off of my ventilator. Like my, I came off the ventilator wow. on March 23rd of 2020 and I finished the race on May 23rd of 2021. So it was that 14 months to the day of coming off a ventilator and I was there crossing the finish line. That was going through my mind that last 100 yards. I couldn't run because just the emotions were too strong. I knew that if I tried to run, I'd probably just collapse and just start crying in the middle of the red carpet there. So I just wanted to walk through, soak in the moment as much as I could and, and hear you calling out my name saying like, Ben, you are an Iron Man. And that was the joy of hearing that after everything was just un, undescribable. Well, Ben, we all have, we all have, well, I hate, I don't even like the word limits, but we, sometimes we don't know what our limits are until we test them. Do you believe you've, you've found your limits or are there a long way to go? 
I don't think I've, I found my limits and I don't think I ever will. I'm going to keep trying to find them, but I think that um, you just have to keep going and keep trying and you never know what's possible until you try it. And um, I've listened to some podcasts and David Goggins and his book is like, you know, can't hurt me. And the whole, like, you don't know it, how far your body can go until you try to push it. And I think Ironman has been one step along the way. I don't know what is possible. Am I going to try longer than Ironman? Likely not because the training cycles are really tough. Um, but I know that Ironman isn't the end um, for sure. Do you have a next event in, in mind? I do have a next event in mind. Uh, it's the World Championships in Kona in October. Yeah, I was waiting for you. That's where you're going, buddy. That's where huh? going. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. By the way, I tell people, don't worry, it's not that hot and the course is really flat on the bike. So don't worry about it. You'll be fine. <laughs> and there's no wind. There's no wind. And, yeah. Sorry, I forgot to mention there's no wind for some reason. You know, I don't know why people talk about that so much. Well, and yeah, and congratulations on that. That'll be a special, special time bringing you down to Lee Drive. So our final question on find your finish line is came out of uh, good friends of mine from the off-road Baja 1000 racing. They sit around afterwards, uh, just called, you know, tri-table racing, sit around and reminisce about the race. Uh, give us a memory or reminisce about uh, uh, the event you did in Tulsa or any other event uh, and a memory that kind of sticks out with you. Um, the memory that sticks out with me in Tulsa, it's actually that last stretch before you took the right to the finish line, that over the street they had these lights that were sitting over the street. It was dark. They had some posts up, and they're almost like Christmas lights or patio lights just sitting over the street. And I just remember that as I was going through, and just it felt like a surreal moment. It felt like I was walking through someone's backyard, and then I turned the corner, and there's this big, bright finish line. But just walking through with those lights and everything through that last street before that last turn, like that sticks in my mind more than anything throughout the rest of the race day was that 50-yard walk before I turned, made the turn. It, it's funny you say that because I had a couple other people, tell, I didn't see it because I was at the finish line, tell me about it. And one person said, I thought I was like in somebody's backyard or private party or, mm -hmm. or some, somebody had an engagement party and I'm running through. <laughs> and then you had like only about 50 people walking around with the COVID regulations that 50 people there with the beer where it's in Madison, it was hundreds lined up and just cheering and yelling. And it's people, individuals like holding a drink under these lights. It was very much like someone's backyard. It was, it was, it was incredible. I love it. Great memory. You watch next year in Tulsa, that thing will probably be like two miles long. Don't make it. Absolutely. I'll love <laughs> it. So, Ben, you've learned a lot. You're still learning, as we all are, but your lessons were some of the toughest lessons to have to go through. What advice would you give to your fellow humans, to your fellow athletes, on, and them moving forward if, if they're going through a time which seems like it's just button them upside the head. For me, the, the mantra of the don't stop, don't quit, keep moving forward was always there. And for me, it's look internally for what you need to be tomorrow. How do you get to be better tomorrow? What's that next step? Um, is it I got to get up and 
just walk. I have to get up and eat a little something better today. What's the one thing I can do today to get better tomorrow? Because we can all do one small thing. There's always that one small thing each and every one of us can do. And all of it, it's all about getting yourself better for tomorrow and not about comparing yourself to others. And that was what really got me through was what can I do today to be better tomorrow? Whether it was today I'm going to talk to my counselor to get some help from a mental health standpoint. Or today I'm going to walk an extra minute on the treadmill because yesterday I got seven minutes and today I'm going for eight. That's the type of thing that, that kept me going through this is looking internally of what I can do to be better rather than trying to compare myself to all the other people. And I, I'll call it the noise around me and focus on what's the next right thing to get Ben to be better tomorrow? What, what can I do? And that was the big goal for me throughout this entire process. Ben, that is a beautiful advice uh, because when we try to compare ourselves to others, our self goes away. And we, we don't want that to happen. We need ourselves strong and, and uh, solvent all the time. So, well, Ben O'Donnell, my uh, fellow Irishman, thank you very much for all your time. You are an amazing human. Uh, I can't wait to see you in Kailua, Kona on the Big Island. I hope up in New Brunswick, somehow, some way, you can get some heat training in a little bit. <laughs> On a treadmill with a heater next to me, that's the plan. There you go. That, that'll work. It's worked for a lot. It even works for a lot of the pros. So that, that's, that's good to do. So make sure you do that. Well, thank you very much, Ben. And, and I can't wait to see you in Kona, buddy. Looking forward to seeing you too, Mike. Thank you very much for your time today. You're welcome. So everybody, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and to our presenting sponsor, Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, then please subscribe and become notified of upcoming shows. And please, we'd like to hear from you if you'd write us a review. You can do that on any one of the places that you download the podcast. You can go to MikeRiley.net and do that there too. We'd like to hear how we're doing. So let us know when you uh, write us a review. Everybody, remember, we all have great memories in our lives, but the next memory, could you be your best one? So keep working towards that one and find your finish line. Aloha, everyone.